Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And folks, we are Taylorless today. Yes, that's right. Taylor has abandoned me. I woke up this morning to a goodbye letter on my pillow from him saying that he was leaving me and the podcast to go off to New York City and follow his true calling of being a Rangers fan. This is real. This has really happened. You know, one particularly interesting excerpt from his letter read, quote, I can't do this anymore, Brendan, between you and Donnie Meatballs, and all the other Italians, I cannot bring myself to support this team any longer. I must go to the big city to follow where my greatest sports idols and inspirations are. Of course, I'm talking about Pat Kane, Zach Wilson, and above all else, my one true love, Capo Caco. The heart wants what the heart wants. And what this heart wants is an Alexis Lafreniere jersey? What? Deeply, deeply troubling stuff. But in totally unrelated news from that, thoughts and prayers go out to anybody who made the trek to New York City this weekend to see the St. Bonaventure Bonnies play and lose in the first round of the Atlantic 10 tournament. Definitely not talking about anybody in particular there. But in any event, despite the unfortunate start to the week for the Sabres, we have a very exciting episode today. In the second half of today's episode, you'll hear Taylor and myself chat with WKBW Sports Director Matt Beauvais regarding his thoughts on the trade deadline, the home stretch of this season, and the upcoming offseason. But first... I wasn't going to ride solo today, so I'm very excited to welcome to Straight Up Sabres for the first time, my dear pal, Denis. Denis, welcome to Straight Up Sabres, my friend. Pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me, Terrell. You know, it's a tragedy, but is it? It's, hey, your words and mine, for that matter. <laughs> so, you can find Denis on Twitter. His handle is at D-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H. Denis is a Sabre season ticket holder and a longtime fan. We have been to a lot of games together over these past few years since we've been pals, and he has some excellent hockey insight. And I have been saying for quite a long time that we were going to have you on the pod, and so I'm sorry it took it took Taylor leaving for it to happen, but I'm very happy to have you on, my man. Listen, by hook or by crook, I'm happy to be here, man. We love it. We love it. All right, let's get to it. So as I mentioned before, it has been a rough start to the week for the Sabres as they suffered back-to-back three-to-two losses at the hands of the Edmonton Oilers and New York Islanders, respectively. Monday night, Connor McDavid and co. came to town, and for several stretches of this game, we were treated to some electric hockey. McDavid and the Oilers play that fast, up-tempo style game, and the Sabres match that energy out of the gate. 
McDavid continued his torrid scoring pace this season, scoring twice for the Oilers, hitting a new career high in points at 124 in just 65 games. He became just the third player since the turn of the century to hit 124 points in a season, joining Nikita Kucherov and Joe Thornton, and the guy still has 17 games to go. Stuart Skinner played a strong game in net for the Oilers, but ultimately the Sabres just could not finish some really quality high danger chances in this one. Skinner and Cousins scored, and that was it for the Sabres scoring-wise. It was a very, very winnable game, but as has been the case when the Sabres play at home in the blue jerseys, they were not able to get over the hump. And I will add that if one player in this game stood out for all the wrong reasons in this game, it was Jacob Bryson. Man, he has been on a very rough stretch as of late and had several extremely frustrating blunders and lapses in defensive coverage. Then, in what was maybe the most important game of the season and quite possibly of the past 10 years, the Sabres fell to the New York Islanders on what was a ridiculous no-goal reversal, which saw Sabres legend Hudson Fashing score via a clear kicking motion. There's been attempts to explain the reasoning for the call being reversed, but Dan, I got to tell you, I am perplexed about this. To reverse reverse a no-goal call, you need to have indisputable evidence, and I am not getting that sense here at all. Fashing is clearly in the midst of a forward-kicking motion towards the puck and, and the net with his leg. He doesn't make an effort to stop it with a stick, and what it comes down to for me is that if he directs that puck in any other direction, it is not going in the net. We know how tight that this playoff race is right now, and to have such a pivotal game come down to such a ridiculous call just leaves a very bad taste in my mouth and the mouth of Sabres fans everywhere. This was also another game which saw several major lapses in defensive zone coverage, something that is continuing to be a problem for this team. So in any event, the road to the final playoff spot just got considerably more difficult after these two losses. So, Den, what are your thoughts on these two games and the road forward ahead for the Sabres? Well, Brennan, I really think it's best to start with, like you said, two, three to two results, but two very, very different games. Uh, no one will ever confuse the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Islanders <laughs> on the ice with the styles that they're trying to play True. and the objectives that they have. Um, I thought the Sabres came out really strong in the first period Monday night. Uh, you know, I was in the building and, and frankly, you could just feel the electricity from before the puck even was dropped. And honestly, the Sabres matched that came out firing but you know like you said unless you're bearing those chances and man did they have some clear cut point blank chances um it felt a little bit like you couldn't sustain that all the way and that the others were going to push back and eventually you did see that in the second period and mcdavid was at the forefront of that i thought they were really strong in keeping someone like dry pretty quiet um and a lot of the other oilers but at the end of the day you know mcdavid is just going to strike you can't really stop it he's inevitable um I think when you're talking about the game from last night, it's a very different story. And that's probably a little bit more of a cause for concern for what you're going to see with this team. Um, I personally, having seen them and what they look like, I don't have any doubt that they can run and gun with the best of them in this league, anybody in this league. But when we talk about playoff hockey and what that looks like and how it's slow and it's through the mud and a lot of work in the corners and getting pucks deep, this team still leaves a little something to desire in terms of grinding those kinds of games out. Uh, and I think there needs to be a little bit more recognition, particularly defensively, that the margins are very, very, very thin. You know, you can't give up four or five goals, or in this case, two or three that aren't of the highest quality and expect that you're always going to be able, you know, to get those goals back. I thought the Islanders basically made it pretty clear early on that, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to set up a wall. And if you can break through it, good luck. They, they did a bit, but really, 
you know, I think we're going to see this team need to mature when these kinds of games come out. And these are the games you're going to see at this time of year. Absolutely. And so at this stage of the game, the Sabres now after it's just been a rough stretch here. Of course, you ended February with that five to three loss to Columbus, which were points that you really wanted to have. Boston then kicks their ass right after that. They strike back with a nice win over Tampa. And then you have these pair of losses here. And as we mentioned before, the road ahead is very difficult. I think the one thing that I'm curious for your thoughts on here, you know, with this team being so young, I mean, that's the youngest team in the league. You have your, your veteran presence you have on this team is essentially Craig Anderson, Jeff Skinner, Kyle Opozo, Semgis Gergensens, and to a, a lesser extent, but in terms of the playoff conversation, Alex Tuck. The rest of these guys have not had this kind of level of pressure on them at the NHL level yet in their careers. And so I think, you know, something that Taylor and I had talked about a lot really over the past few weeks is rising to the occasion. Like who is going to be ready to step up as a unit? Are they going to be ready to step up? And as you mentioned, you play two very different teams here in the Oilers and the Islanders back to back and in two very pivotal games that you need to win. I mean, at this stage of the game with how close this race is for the wildcard spots in the Eastern conference, every single game, every single point matters. So, I mean, you were at the game on, on Monday, as you said, you've been to a ton of games this year, you know, getting to see these guys in person as much and how they've kind of developed as the year has gone on. You know, do you think that, it's simply they're at a point right now where they're not ready for these big moments. Um, I, I don't want to come down too harshly on them. You know, I think obviously this season is going to be seen as a, as a net upward trend, for um, sure. but I do think when you're talking about the situation here is earlier in the year, I think we can safely say the Sabres caught a couple teams out. I think the trend around the league you started to hear from other teams is, Hey, those guys are good and they got speed and they got skill. But what happens now after the all-star break when teams are expecting your best and you show up to the rink and there's no surprises. And you know what? They've also come up with game plans to try to counteract what you do. Um, I think the biggest thing for this team in terms of the age and the youth profile that it has is sometimes in hockey, but in sports in general, you're talking about having to be a problem solver on the ice, right? You've got a game plan, you've practiced, you've worked on your style and what you want to do and how you want to impose your game. But the other team is also working to counteract that. And can you, as a player, without your coach being able to sort of make all of these changes in between periods, can you make adjustments on the fly and change your game and adjust to the situation? I think sometimes with some of these younger players, you're seeing it in spurts, but it's hard to keep that going every night or on a back-to-back or on a three out of four nights where sometimes there are some, um, I don't, you know, I think they play hard almost every night, but I think some of the mental lapses uh, like you mentioned earlier, or just that ability to sort of read and understand what kind of game you're in. You know, you looked at the game last night and it was pretty clear minutes into it that it wasn't going to look anything like the night before did. And you've got to really basically understand that and try to adapt to it as soon as possible. And I think that's where they leave a little bit lacking right now. Totally agree. Totally agree. So as we're talking about here, the playoff race now, extremely tight as it currently stands at the time of us recording this, which is on Wednesday evening. So this is ahead of the Red Wings playing tonight. The Islanders still maintain that first wild card spot with 78 or 74 points through 66 games. Pittsburgh second in that wild card spot with 63 games played for 73 points. So only one back and the Islanders, of course, have three more games played. Then we got leapfrogged by Florida. Florida now is up to 70 points in 65 games. However, the Sabres have only played 63 games and are at 
68 points and are tied with Ottawa and Washington. Ottawa has also played 63 games today, but Washington has two more than the Sabres right now. And then behind them, you have Detroit, 63 games played, 65 points. Beyond that, I think the bottom of the of the conference is pretty set here with Philly and Montreal, and then, of course, Columbus at the very bottom. But there is a wide range for how these last handful of games can go for the Sabres here, Den. I mean, and it's the case for all of these teams. You know, it, there is just so much gridlock here, and I think it's particularly interesting because it's just none of these teams are even close to being in contention for any of the remaining you know, divisional spots here. So you have, what do we have here? Uh, seven teams all together right now that are vying for these two spots. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Sabres very well, like they, what they need to do if they want to really get back into this conversation and make up for some of these losses is go on a run here. Like they have been a streaky team all season long. So moving forward now, you are going to have to pick up five of six, six of eight, from here on out to be able to stick with the current pace, because if not, all of these teams are going to be, are, are going to be catching up here. I mean, and again, it goes without saying that some of these teams also did well to bolster their rosters at the trade deadline. Whereas the Sabres by and large generally stand pat, depending on how you feel about the Jordan Greenway deal. If you're particularly excited about that one, I don't think either of us really were like rah, rah, we got this now. It could have, it could be a nice move. We'll see. But when you have Ottawa in your division and firmly in this race with you adding a Jacob Chakrin to the mix, that matters and that can make a difference here. And so we'll see down the stretch. But with it being tight right now, as, as tight as it is, Dan, we just went through these these seven teams here. Who do you think are the two teams that get in in those wild card spots? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think obviously you look last night that that Pittsburgh loss is a backbreaker, you know, down for nothing. You know, they come back Brutal. with five, four against the team that you just lost to at home. Um, yeah, so for me, um, even though they won last night against us, for me, the Islanders are the team I see. I just I don't like their math. Um, you know, they're going to basically need to go on a run, and it still may not matter for them. Um, you know, the, the team that I look at, if they can get healthy, uh, would, would actually be Florida. Um, you know, they are hanging in this race, and they hadn't had Barkov, and now Sam Bennett has been out recently. Um, and they're not only are they hanging around this race, they kind of put themselves right back in uh, in, a, in a really strong spot here. You know, they've still got, I would call, you know, above average goaltending potentially here. Um, I guess when you look at some of the other teams here and what they're working Relative, with, um, yeah. you know, there's a chance for them. Um, you know, I think a team like Washington, you know, they're loitering. A team like Detroit, they're loitering. But you could see what their GMs think of their chances and and their math here. So I would I would imagine. Um, they fade out here, but definitely a, a chance to play spoiler. You know, the Sabres, you mentioned them, they've, they've got no choice but to go on a run, and, and they know it and we know it. Um, and I think that kind of you can look at that two different ways. Um, you can sit there and say that the Sabres can play with anybody in the league, and they've even played some of their best hockey this year against some of the best teams in the league. So the schedule that they have coming up is pretty brutal, but it may also bring the best out of them. Um, on the flip side, um, I think you could look at the schedule they have coming up and say they're playing some really good teams and it feels like they're going to have to score their way into a run here. Um, and that's just, that's, that's tough to do this time of year. Um, if anyone can do it, it's probably this team this year. Um, but it does look like, you know, the goaltending has improved slightly, but it's certainly not um, stable 
at this stage. So it does feel like if they're going to go on some kind of a run, they're going to have to go on some four, five, six goal game runs here where they can really kind of just score their way into the playoffs. Yeah, and the road does not get any easier for the Sabres here. So let's talk a little bit about the road ahead and the week ahead here. Well, continuing on this week, I should say. Next up on Thursday night, the Sabres are facing off against the Central Division leading Dallas Stars. We know Dallas has been solid this year. I mean, of course, led by Jake Ottinger and Nett, one of the best young goalies in the NHL. On top of that, you have one of the best, easily a top five winger in the NHL and Jason Robertson. You're getting revitalized seasons from the likes of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Of course, you still have Joe Pavelski there. You have Miro Heiskinen. They got a uh, Rupa Hints. Like they have a, a really good young team there. And again, I mean, it goes without saying, even though the West obviously is not keeping up with the East this year in terms of some of the the firepower. They're a really good young team. And so it's going to be a tough test for the Sabres because then after that, you're facing off against the Rangers, who obviously made headlines with their very, very active lead up to the trade deadline, acquiring both uh, Vladimir Tarasenko along with Patrick Kane. And then on Monday, you got Toronto. And we know what happened last time they played Toronto. This time around, you're going to be in Toronto in a away game. Thankfully, the Sabres... This so far, I mean, at least this season and, and throughout this past stretcher have been significantly better on the road than they have been at home, but doesn't mean anything when you're going to be facing off against a team as good as Toronto. And then you have a huge matchup for the, the race for the wildcard spot where on Wednesday, a week from today uh, that we are recording this, they'll be facing off against Washington. So then they don't have really a whole lot to look forward to coming up. I mean, you got Philly next Friday on the 17th, but then you follow that up on Sunday with a game against Boston. Then you got Nashville, then you got Jersey, then you got the Islanders again. It's not easy. It's It's not. not. So give me your thoughts on this upcoming stretch here, starting off with Dallas on Thursday and the Rangers on Saturday to close out the week. Yeah. So I think one of the key things when you mentioned, um, and we'll even, I would even put Toronto in there as well. Um, you know, you've got from a Dallas perspective, Dallas is only ahead in the central by two points. You know, they need these points. Uh, they they really need these points if they want to have home ice and they want to, you know, secure that that matchup against the wild card spot. So they're not coming in here um, with, looking to do anything else than get points and keep and keeping it moving. Um, but if you look at two teams specifically in the Rangers and Toronto, like you said, both made um, quite decisive moves at the trade deadline and and those teams are still trying to put together and find the chemistry so that they can head into the playoffs playing their best hockey um especially knowing that most likely they know their matchups already uh in the playoffs so they're really trying to find their best game right now before they go in in, in those first round series so i really think for the sabers um they're not going to be playing teams that are uh sort of knowing that they have spots locked up and are just looking to kind of get to get to April here, they're, they're going to be playing teams that are really trying to find their game right now and, and click on all cylinders. So again, in some ways, like I said, they're going to need to match that. And I think, you know, a team like Edmonton sort of showed you what that could look like. You know, I think the Sabres knew what kind of speed and skill Edmonton were going to come in here with, and they realized preemptively that we, that they needed to match that. Um, I don't know if maybe because of the way that the Islanders play, they thought, you know, we'll just be able to handle that, but, you know, these teams, Dallas plays heavy hockey, you know, you look at a guy like Jamie Ben. you know, that guy is getting his game together right now for the playoffs because it's heavy, you know, once, once those series get going. And so, you know, they're going to have to be able to cope with, you know, guys like that. Hence, you mentioned these guys are all over you for three periods. You know, if they're not ready to play, uh, 
I think, and, and, you know, we can talk more later about some of these guys specifically closer to the bottom of the lineup who really need to be prepared because, you know, teams like Dallas, New York, and Toronto, a lot of what they did in addition to some bigger names was they shored up depth. Mm-hmm. Um, they shored up their bottom six, right. And their bottom four um, in terms of D. And so when you look at that, that's a lot of where these mismatches might come into play now for the Sabres and as someone like a Bryson, for example, or even a Labushkin where, you know, the third line that you used that you're used to, you know, this is effectively a two a or two B line that they're playing as a third line. If you're someone like the Rangers, um, you know, you know, they've got first round picks all across with that kid line. Um, so they're really going to have to, again, um, come ready to play because these teams are, like I said, they're, they're trying to round their games out right now. Um, and they're going to be ready. You know that. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great point that you're not only going up against teams that are better than you in the standings, but you are also going up against teams that still have something to play for, even if they maybe do have, their spots in the playoffs, at least locked up safely. I mean, like you mentioned, Minnesota is only two points back of Dallas right now in the central, even though we already know that Toronto and Tampa is going to be that first round playoff matchup. Tampa's four games back. They're floundering a little bit, but Toronto still has to lock in that two seat so that they can have home ice advantage throughout the play or throughout yeah. the, the first round there against Tampa. So there's a lot at stake for them too here. Yeah, and we know how much pressure that Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas are under. You know, with their contracts being up, this has to work this year. Right. And you saw Dubas's urgency at the deadline that this has to work. So they are absolutely searching and and looking to find their best game. You know, and try to peak going into the playoffs. And they've got 20 games with uh, six new players on the roster to find that. So every game for them is a matter of high urgency. So one of the things that we actually talked yesterday when we had talked with Matt Beauvais about was the obvious goalie carousel as that's been one of the most pressing <laughs> items for the Sabres this year. Of course I say, as you start laughing. Um, so it's something I know you and I have collectively bashed our heads against the wall about too. So what we asked Matt though, and I'm curious for your thoughts on this too, Den. You obviously have these three goalies with Anderson being the elder statesman. You have Comrie, who was hurt for a while, but has been back and he's won four straight. You have UPL, who has been wildly inconsistent, even though he played an okay game against the Islanders here. So down the stretch, Dan, what would you like for the goalie breakdown to look like? Specifically, which of those three guys in a perfect scenario do you think should be getting the most starts? Okay, uh, so I, I want to start with the reason I had a chuckle there was was a that it took us uh, that long, you know, that we, <laughs> yeah. we, we somehow managed to not mention the goalies, which I thought was impressive. I'm uh, proud of us for it. Yeah, I am too. Actually, the more I can not think about it, sometimes the better. <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing was I, I actually wanted to go back to an interesting discussion, and that was to me the idea of should the goalies have actually been swapped around the last two nights. Um, personally, I, I'm a big fan of the way they play when Craig Anderson is in goal. Um, I find them to be a little more settled, um, and not as jittery, uh, especially with the puck in their own end. Um, and that has a lot to do obviously with his experience and communication. Um, and I wondered to myself if he might've been the goalie for last night, actually. And, um, maybe you, oh, in a game that is kind of, you figure, going to be a bit of a shootout with Edmonton if maybe that was the game for him. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and, and and it's already happened. So moving forward, um, I think, you know, Craig Anderson, like I said, I, I think 
they play a certain way with him that I think is really important. So I think obviously we know he's pretty much on a one game a week type of schedule. Um, I don't know if he's capable of ramping that up. I mean, I'm not 41, but I, I know what it feels like when people ask you to do a little extra physically. You know, I, don't, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at him if, if one game a week is what he's capable of. So I think when we're looking at the other two goalies, um, I think you have to give a really, really, really strong look at giving Eric Comrie a run of games here. Um, you know, he started the season really well, had the injury, um, well, struggled and then had the injury and then has come back, struggled a little bit more. And like you said, he's one of four straight. Um, not necessarily uh, incredible, but I thought really consistent, reliable, um, looked pretty quiet in the net, which is one thing I really, when you compare him to someone like UPL, um, and that's what I mean a bit with Craig as well, UPL gets, uh, you know, loses his way a little bit. And I think sometimes the team in and of itself follows suit. Um, right. Omri, it does seem like he's starting to quiet down in the net. He's just reading, he's finding pucks. And the team is also realizing if we can give him a lane to see these shots, he's actually going to, you know, most likely stop these. So, um, I, I really look at the idea of giving him, uh, I, you know, it's hard to say what an extended run is when you when you have three goalies and one's forty one. But um, you know, could he potentially start two or three games in a week here? You know, I, I think you obviously run the risk with Comrie is that he's just never been a full time starter in the league to start with, but he's also a guy coming off a half a season of injury. So, with the increase in workload, does his performance drop off? You know, at a time when you can ill afford it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a right answer on this because, you know, we, we, we kind of share similar thoughts on UPL and, and wildly inconsistent is probably the best sort of catch all phrase for his season. Um, and it just feels like we're at a time when that's the least, uh, they can afford to sort of be up and down, you know, they need to have regular two games where they are two or three goals, you know, three goals max, really. I think if they're going to be in games where they're giving up four, potentially even five goals, again, if any team can do it, it's this team, but it's going to be hard to see this team against the, the schedule they have winning games five, five, four, six, five, and making this, making the playoffs here. No, that's, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think it's important to say, and I know you obviously were saying this too. It's not to say that, Monday or Tuesday night's losses were to blame on the goalies by any sure, means. Sure, of course. But I think that that's a very fair point about starting Anderson against the Islanders as compared to UPL. You know, you're right that they do play. It feels like they're a little bit more collected, I think, when Anderson is in net there. And I think on top of that, too, I, I was a little bit surprised that they gave him the Oilers game just because obviously this was pre-injury and everything, but let's not forget Eric Conry put up 46 saves against them in their first matchup True. earlier True. in the season back in October. True. That's an excellent so point. So that could have been an interesting thing where, you know, I mean, he played well then maybe it could have been worth giving him the look there again, Monday night, they flat out missed out on opportunities. They right. did not lose right. that game because of Craig Anderson, but how that then maybe dictates the rest of the game or the game on Tuesday, then having him in net there again, which fluke goal that 
probably shouldn't have counted in my opinion. I don't know if you feel that way as well. Yeah. I share the same thoughts. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I think it's in line with the joke of officiating that we've seen in the league this year on several plays. For sure. And again, you're going against a team in the Islanders that aren't exactly the most offensively inclined, but they play that kind of like you had described it before that, like sludging through just, yeah. they don't want you to defense, like just boring, honestly, yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And, it's, and they don't have Matt Barzell, which is their most dynamic player as well. So it's tough. I mean, that, it, it's just like a really tough game. And again, it's 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 hard to, to point the finger and say, oh, well, you know, if they would have started this guy or that guy, it would have made a difference when at the end of the day, you lost that game because of a fluke, no goal call that inexplicably got reversed. But I think it's an it is an interesting thing to think about there because again you also because yeah i mean depending on who you're playing it needs to be more about that matchup as compared to where somebody's at in the week in terms of what the the rotation is here yeah i think that's a perfect way to to look at it right like i can sit here and say i would have done this or you might have done that but it's probably the best insight that it gives us as to how donnie is viewing the goalies right i think when you looked at the schedule this week, yes, they were all big games, but clearly that Islanders game was circled as that's the game you have to have. So to me, when I'm, if I'm looking at how Donnie's, you know, marking out the goalies for the week, to me, I think if you think that Anderson gives you the best chance to win, you're circling that game, you're playing him there and you're building the rest of the schedule out from there. Um, You know, the way that he chose to approach it, I'm not, it's not right or wrong. Like you said, it, it probably didn't have as much to do with goalies on either in either game. But I think it does give us a look into how he views who they may ride down the stretch. Him giving UPL what I think we all called the biggest game of their season and the biggest game of a couple, you know, a decade, a couple of seasons, you know, however you want to look at it. Don Granado chose UPL to be the goalie there in that game. And that probably is or maybe at least at this point, the best version of trying to figure out how he looks at these goalies uh, running down, down the stretch here. So we may see a lot more of him. Yeah. I mean, and I think it also leads into the conversation that, I mean, how the rest of this season goes and net is pretty much going to determine which of those two guys is going to be here next year, because there's no way you're running it back with both of them as your, your one, a one B next year. Like you need to upgrade in goal next year. Yeah. Playoffs are bust. It's a major question. It's a major question. It's huge. If they've got got this talent next year and let's just say Anderson retires or, or for whatever reason, isn't playing in a Sabres uniform, if these are your two goalies, you don't feel any better about making the playoffs again. Hell no. And, and so I think, you have to do something. Well, and that also, that's something I've been thinking about with Anderson too. So spoiler, when we get to it, obviously everybody will hear it when they're listening, but Matt Beauvais was of the belief that you got to get Anderson and that as much as you can down the stretch here, because I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. But with that being said though, too, you know, thinking about it, I mean, if this is going to be this guy's last hurrah, like I cannot, for the life of me, one, see the Sabres bringing him back, two, seeing another team investing one of their goalie spots in a guy that can play once every 10 games. Like, he's got to be retiring at the end of this year. I would have to think that. I say this, of course, being 28 years old and not a professional hockey player and not 41 and knowing the physical toll that that could take on your body night in and night out. But, like, 
if this is this dude's last hurrah, this is the end of his career and he has the opportunity to go out potentially like helping a team yeah. clinch yeah. a playoff berth. Let it ride. What are you doing? Not but trying to get him in that as much as you possibly till the can. wheels fall off. Like we, yeah. we need to do so exactly. Like literally though, that that's yeah. kind of it. Like yeah. I, I don't want this to this season that's or the end of this this year to be this like trial run where with like UPL and Comrie, even though that's what it's gonna be. Like whoever is gonna look yeah. better like yeah. between the other like the two of them. I think obviously when it comes to like moving you like with UPL not being the option next year as your one B, I think that you're probably talking about like a bigger trade or something like that. Sure. But like with Anderson, I mean, yeah, you got to put in that who's going to give you the best opportunity to win night in and night out. He is clearly that for this team. Yes. And I mean, listen, you've been doing load management with him all year for months for, for this type of for moment. the exactly like that. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, for this exact reason, this is why you haven't been playing him twice or three times a week throughout this year, so that you kind of can have the flexibility to do that right now when you really need it. Exactly. I really, I really, again, for me, I would have loved to have seen him play last night, and then maybe we're talking about him playing Saturday, you know, against the Rangers, for example. You know, I don't know if Thursday would have been possible, but, you know, if he could have played Tuesday and Saturday, and now you're getting two, at least two games out of him, um, I think that could have had a, it could have a huge difference. Um, you know, we'll see with him playing Monday. I would think with him playing Monday, I, I would borderline expect him to be in goal at least Saturday. You know, I don't think he's going to play Thursday. I would assume we'd see Comrie. Um, mm-hmm. But I would, I would hope either way, depending, you know, without knowing how the result goes against Dallas, that Anderson needs to be in net uh, Saturday, unless, you know, you, you see Comrie, have a, a you know some kind of outstanding performance or, or right. some sort um yeah they're, they're gonna have to make some kind of a call on one of those two goalies and i'm with you it doesn't sort of seem right that this team is trying to make the playoffs down the stretch and we're going to use this as a we're, we're going to evaluate which one we keep and which one we don't you know they've got to look at winning um because ultimately that's who needs to be here is the goalie that gives them the chance the best chance to win um and there's also a whole body of work to to look at here. It's not going to, you know, these 20 games are, are, are going to matter, but also what they've done all season. And, you know, for Comrie in one uh, aspect, staying healthy is going to be part of that. Right. Um, but I agree with you. I think Craig Anderson, you know, I, I think about it if, if, you know, they do make it, who's starting game one in a playoff series. And for me, it keeps coming back to it's got to be 41 in that net. Yep. You know, that's their best chance to win game one of any playoff of a playoff series, no matter who they're playing. You ride with Anderson to start the series. And if things go south and you go down 0-2-0-3, then you can switch it up. All right, Dan. Well, it has been a goddamn pleasure getting to do this <laughs> with you. I'm going to end with asking you uh, a fun question. This is a new thing that Taylor and I, I decided that we want to start to incorporate a new segment that uh, we're going to start doing with our guests. So I love being a guinea pig. Perfect. Yes, yes. You and Matt Bovea are two guinea pigs for this. <laughs> so I'm going to be interested to see if your answer is the same as his. So have you been seeing on Twitter these things where it's like you have to pick two to defend you and everyone else attacks where it's like 10,000 rats, five lions, four gorillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. three falcons. You know what I'm talking about? I, I'm familiar with this. Yeah. All right. So you have to pick one of these groups is going to be defending you and the other one is going to attack. Okay. 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 You have the choice between three Jordan Greenways and two Tage Thompsons 
or 15 Casey Metal stats? Well, this is actually, well, I don't want to say it's easy, but my instincts popped up as many just, I, I want 15 middle stats attacking me. Well, I'm oh, not you, want say, atta- you want the middle stats attacking? So you I, want- I'm not going to say I want them attacking me, but oh, I feel comfortable if 15 middle stats are approaching me and I've got, is it three greenways and two three t- greenways and two tages? Okay. Yeah, I would have three tages and two greenways but i'm guessing this isn't an open negotiation i picked uh, the, well we did three greenways because he's like stronger than Tate. okay all point. right i mean listen the point of this is really that i feel i feel comfortable with you know what just for for my own protection can i get three greenways two thompsons and one brendan in there just just <laughs> yeah it feels more it feels you gotta have some skin in this game so all right the, that's the fine six, the six of you against 15 middle stats, I think I think I'm gonna be all right. All right, we're going opposite of the strength and numbers approach. I like that a lot. Okay, yeah, unconventional. Yeah, you know, they've all got the same mindset, they've all got the same mentality, which is pass first, not shoot. And so that oh. aggression, that lack of aggression. You want you know, the killers you gotta, on your side. You, you want you gotta read into yep. it there, you know. I like that, Dan. I like that a lot, my man. All right. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Great hey, question, one more time. Though. Great oh, question. Thank you. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start making it a reoccurring thing where we're gonna swap out different guys and everything. So I'm glad you like it. Thank you for um, not saying uh, 15 Brysons coming. No, God, I, Jesus. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So, Dan, thank you again so much. One more time, let everybody know where they could find you online. Yeah, please. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, same handle. Uh, it is D Y A C I N T H. Uh, shoot me a request. Happy to. Uh, have you follow along we'll talk some hockey we'll talk some other sports gotta give a quick shout out uh if you're seeing this here my fc buffalo shirt on i, I got this just for the pod today uh from it. my buddy nick mandela so i said i would uh wrap that there but uh yeah please give me a follow on uh, one of the platforms and uh look forward to chatting love it dan thank you so much you have been excellent we very very much appreciate it now we're going to take a second and hear a quick word from our sponsors both DraftKings and thin man brewery And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to do it backwards. Normally we do DraftKings first, but I'm going to do Thin Man first today. So Thin Man Brewery, everybody, we had the big grand reopening event last week. It was excellent. Super Freak was a huge hit. And according to Thin Man and the night of, they sold that shit out. Opening night. Unbelievable. So this is according to Thin Man on Instagram that it comes with bittersweet excitement to let you know that we've had such overwhelming positive feedback on this first batch of Super Freak that they've already sold through it. They are now, though, brewing an even bigger batch this week to satisfy those taste buds, satisfy those taste buds. So keep an eye out for that. They will still have some six packs left over at the tap rooms and at select retail locations throughout the region. But Super Freak will be back on draft in two weeks' time. Very, very, very exciting stuff. Man, also, oh, yeah, a lot of other really giving cool the people stuff. what they want. We, you got to give it to them, folks. You got to give it to them. Got some other really cool stuff coming up here, too. They also have their Simply Citra can release. That is happening on Friday, March 10th, this coming Friday, with DJ Travis Twin. Throwing down some beats at the Elmwood location. Going to be a good time. That is an India Pale L. So it's looking like it's going to be a very, very good one. And as we're recording this, just got to give a shout out to with today, Wednesday, as we're recording, being International Women's Day. First of all, happy International Women's Day to all of our lovely, wonderful woman listeners. Appreciate you all very, very much. They are having an event there tonight. It's the three floors of girl power. So they are throwing down at Thin Man tonight. I think we talked about this on our last episode, but... 
hope everybody there who's there right now is having a lot of fun. But again, we just wanted to give a huge shout out and a happy International Women's Day. And now, folks, it is my absolute pleasure to be able to be the one to deliver Taylor's famous line to you all right now for our DraftKings ad read. Hoops fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So. This is the part where Taylor normally talks about something that he thinks that you should all bet on. I typically, when it comes to betting, like to do a lot of same game parlays for NHL games. So looking ahead at the upcoming slate of games here, let's take a look on who we want to, who we want to go for. So, well, since this episode is going to be airing on Thursday, let's talk about a nice little Thursday night game. Why don't we talk about our lovely Buffalo Sabres here and what you should do. I'm going to go with a nice little same game parlay here, and I'm going to take the Sabres money line for one. Sabres are right now plus 130 against Dallas. I know it's a it's a dicey one here, but I'm going to go with the Sabres, and then I will go for any time goal scores. I'm going to go with future Hall of Famer Rupe Hintz, and let's say Jack Quinn gets back on the scoreboard after a couple quiet games these uh, these last two. So let, let's go with that. We're going to take the Sabres money line, and then we are going to go with Jack Quinn and Rupe Hints anytime goal scorers in this game. So again, as always, though, if the bet that we suggest to you is wrong or anything like that, explicitly blame Taylor. So what are you going to do? You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can get $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right, everybody, with that being said, now I'm going to turn things over to our previously recorded conversation that Taylor and I had with WKBW Sports Director Matt Beauvais. Here it is. And now it's time to welcome back Matt Beauvais, Sports Director for WKBW. Matt, great to have you back. Welcome to Straight Up Sabres. No, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Matt, we're recording this right now ahead of the Sabres-Islanders matchup on Tuesday night, which, of course, has major playoff implications as the Sabres have 20 games remaining heading into tonight. We're also on the heels of the trade deadline, which saw the Sabres acquire Jordan Greenway and move Rasmus Asplund. So, Matt, to start off, what were your thoughts on how the Sabres approached the deadline, given both where they are right now and the movement that we saw throughout the rest of the league? So I'll give them a B if we're giving them grades. I'll give them a B because I do like the addition of Greenway. I don't like that they didn't get Chikrin. I was very adamant. I was kind of like really trying to bang that drum because I just thought that after Power, Dalene, and Samuelson, the cupboard is pretty bare for defensemen in the organization. And I just thought it made sense to add somebody who's got term, who's still young, who's got upside, but you know, now he's in the division on another team. So I liked Greenway. I liked that they were able to get something back for Portillo, especially because it just was never going to work out. So I'll give him a B. I think they did some nice things. I think it could have been better, but at the same time, I think making sure that you've got your core intact long-term was the most important thing. And they still have that. 
So that actually brings up a, a good point that Taylor and I have really been talking about a lot. And I'm curious to kind of hear you elaborate on it a little bit more. This conversation that's been happening, you know, online among the fan base, among reporters about, uh, you know, the concept of like rushing things and, and jumping ahead, jumping the gun a little bit and sacrifice it. What we've heard Granado say, we heard Kevin Adams say it at his press conference, th- this thought of sacrificing the future for the present, which when it comes down to it, the guys who aren't on the table for a trade, very obviously your Tage, Cousins, Darlene, Samuelson, Power, all of those guys, those aren't even the ones who are really available in the first place and wouldn't even be considered. And when we're talking about some of the more blue chip pieces that the Sabres have to offer, we're talking first this year, next year, and then we'll call it like Rosine and Oslin potentially. Kevin Adams went as far as to call out Yuri Kulich and Matt Savoy as being non-starters on the table, which makes a lot of sense. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that because now, of course, as the Sabres didn't make the Chakran deal, they obviously didn't acquire Timo Meyer, who they were also previously linked to. It was interesting to see that there was a lot of people saying the, the, the sentiment about sacrificing the future when the reality of it is four months from now, when the draft hits and free agency starts and moves are starting to happen again, the Sabres are going to have to make at least one or two big moves, substantial moves heading into next year. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like the chicken idea, just because there are only so many open spots on this team. So much of these guys are going to come back and rightfully so, because they've built this really nice core. So eventually you're going to need to give up things to really improve at those few positions that are going to be open. Now, I don't think it makes sense to completely push all of your chips in on something, but eventually you're going to need to do that. And as long as you're protecting your main assets, like they're never trading well, not anytime soon. Thompson, Cousins, Darlene, Power, Samuelson, probably Savoy, Quinn, or Kulik. Like, like those guys aren't going anywhere. But you're going to have a couple other places that you need to fill. So if that means you've got to move some draft picks, then do it. If you're at the draft and you're sitting there and there's a really intriguing option out there and you've got a pick, a first-round pick that you've got to part ways with, neck this year was always about like, okay, I went into this year thinking that this is going to kind of be around what they were. They've exceeded my expectations a little bit, but I thought that they would still be relevant in March. Maybe they've exceeded kind of what the expectations were league-wide and from, you know, fans who are outside of Buffalo. Next year is all about taking the step. Like next year, you have to make the playoffs. So I'm not saying sell all your pieces, but if you have to move a couple of them that are more secondary pieces, then you do it. It's not a perfect comparison. But I think about almost what the Bills did from 2019 to 2020 when they traded a first-round pick for Stefan Diggs, and that put them from a playoff team to a team that was able to go to the AFC Championship. The Sabres are set up really well with all of the young pieces that they have. Eventually, you're going to have to sacrifice some of those prospects and some of those assets, and I think that that's something they need to consider. Absolutely. So getting into the home stretch here, as I mentioned before, going into Tuesday night's game, we have 20 games remaining. It'll be 19 at the conclusion of the Islanders game. And for the first time in over a decade, Matt, the Sabres are firmly in the playoff race in March. And one of the biggest storylines of this season has been the goalie carousel of UPL, Anderson, and Comrie. After a strong stretch, UPL has seriously cooled off, giving up 22 goals over his last five games and losing five of his last seven. Anderson still has the best raw numbers of the bunch, but is the only goal and is the only goalie with a save percentage above 900. But as we all know, he doesn't get the starters workload due to his age. And Eric Comrie, he's won his last four starts, however, has looked very shaky at times throughout the season so that said Matt which of the three goalies do you think should get the most starts down the stretch here 
I think it depends on how you're doing. I think if you're still in the mix, then it should be Anderson. I think it's Anderson at 50% and the other guys may be at 25% each. If you start to cool off and maybe you fall behind a little bit, then I think you lean more on UPL and you lean on Comrie to see kind of what you have in the future and see if these are guys who can be one of your goalies next year. It's not going to be both of them. It's not going to be UPL and Comrie next year. If it is, that's a really big disappointment. But I mean, if you go through this week and you win a couple games, then give Anderson half of the starts. I still trust him more than the other two, which is concerning because I don't trust him a lot. (laughs) But of the three, I think if you were saying like, okay, the game against the Islanders decides a playoff spot like tonight. This is the last game of the year. You have to win. I think I'm putting Anderson in that. And I, and I think that would be if they ultimately do make the playoffs, who knows? I think you start Anderson. You try and win a couple games. And then if you lose, then you let UPL do it and get the playoff experience and see how he kind of holds up. But yeah, I think it's Anderson for half of it. And then you can just ride the hotter hand between UPL and Comrie. So it probably goes without saying that no one wants to be doing this shit next year <laughs> with the goalies. Yeah. Um, so I wonder though, cause I think UPL will be around uh, Comrie's signed. I don't know if he'll necessarily be, I, I assume he probably won't be in the NHL if UPL is. Uh, and then Anderson, I assume will retire. Uh, do you have any inkling of what, of any goalies that they might be interested in? I know Demko has been a rumor. Uh, UC Saros is probably more of a pipe dream than a rumor. And then there's obviously always free agent goalies. Uh, is there anyone you, you have any inkling that they might be interested in in the offseason? Not anybody in particular, because you kind of have to see what teams think that they're going to be heading into this next year. Maybe the Predators realize, like, okay, it is time to strip things down and Saros does become available. And then, yeah. and they will you, have a new GM. That's what you do. Like when I was talking about moving a first round pick, I would give up a first round pick. I would give up UPL. I would give up something. I wouldn't give up Levi just because I, I, you know, you kind of want that just still in the cupboard for sure. But like, if that's a possibility, sure. Demko, I think is better than anything that they have, but I don't think that it's like something you would really want to give a ton of assets up for who knows who else is out there, but I think the most intriguing option is probably a trade because I don't think any of the goalies in the free agent market really pique my interest for the Sabres. Well, and interesting. And I was just going to say leading off of that too, you know, with that being said, as I mentioned before, it feels like they're probably primed for a couple of moves to happen. And it feels like obviously, you know, when we're talking about a new starting goalie, that's kind of at the top of the list, but we of course know that there's a hole right now in the top four D you know, you firmly feel really good about having Darlene power and Samuelson there, but you still want to add there to that fourth piece in the top four. You also probably want to add another impact piece in your middle six. So in your opinion, Matt, what do you think is the more pressing need for the Sabres in the, in the upcoming off season? Is it adding that fourth piece in your top four, or is it getting another dynamic player in the middle six? I think it's adding another defenseman because then I think you really kind of do round out the group. And I like how that would kind of stack itself up because offensively I'm anticipating Quinn and Paterka and Krebs to take steps forward. Now I don't think they're going to have like a Dylan Cousins step from last year to this year, but I do think it's realistic for Quinn to go from, okay, a 14, 15 goal scorer to a low twenties goal scorer. And I think Paterka, maybe he becomes a 15 goal scorer and same thing with Peyton Krebs. So to me, I think there's going to be guys internally who can kind of naturally step into that elevated role. 
but there's nobody defensively who I'm like, yeah, it should be Darlene Samuelson power and that guy, or you could go out and get somebody who could kind of anchor your third pair. And then you could keep rolling with like Yoki Haru, Labushkin, and then have like Clegg as your other backup guy or, or something there. Um, and maybe that makes Bryson a chip that they want to, same thing with like Olafson. like there's going to be some decisions that they have to make. You know, the future for Bryson, I think is uncertain. The future for Olafson is uncertain. I think Casey Middlestat has locked up his like role on this team. I think Casey Middlestat takes a lot of criticism and it's probably not deserved. I don't think he's ever going to live up to, you know, where he was drafted. I don't think he's going to be a first line center or a second line center, but I think he's a valuable middle six forward. And then you have to make the decisions. What are you doing with Oposo? Does he want to come back for a year? If he does, what are you going to pay him? What are you doing with Gergensen's? Like, same thing there. So the problem is those top three lines, it feels like there's probably eight guys that you know are going to come back. So that's why I think the defenseman is the bigger priority. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously mentioning uh, Kulich and Savoy there, those guys are uh, seemingly going to be up next year at least some point next season. But do you um, do you have any idea, I guess, who the Sabres would value more highly out of Kulich and Zavoy? Or when Adams mentions them as both untouchable, that they're almost at this point kind of an equal, like, not package deal, but almost equally, like, uh, important in their eyes? My read on this, and this is just my opinion, nobody has told me this, I think they still value Savoy more than they value I don't know if it's Kulich or Kulik or whatever. I've heard like all of them. So I'm just yeah. going to say Kulik because that's what I've heard. Um, but I think Savoy is probably still the one who they hold to like this different standard. Kevin Adams, when he talks about Savoy, like glows a little bit. And he's always just like, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like he cannot wait for this guy to eventually be in the lineup. And I can see that. But I also think that being said, that we see Kulik before we see Savoy. So I think that there's a chance that Kulik is a player who makes the Sabres right out of camp next year and almost has like a Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka role from this year. But next year, Savoy is an interesting one because I I don't really know what they're going to do with him because of the whole like Canadian Hockey League age restriction stuff. Like, I I don't know how they're going to navigate that. So that's going to be an interesting one. And well, is, so then by, by that, you mean Savoy's in the spot where he either has to be in the NHL or in juniors. He can't yeah. be in the AHL. Oh, exactly. okay. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That, that kind of makes it kind of pressing for him to make the team out of camp then. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That, it makes he, sense though. I just hadn't thought about it. That's, and, I, uh, and I think the reason it is, is because so Savoy was born on January 1st. So I think if he was born on December 31st, that plays a factor but his birthday is january 1st wow Wow. and great to see too i think it's important to add you know when the season started people were i wouldn't say concerned but savoy was not producing nearly to the level that we were hoping he was going to be out of the gate and he has completely turned his season around and is now up to fifth in the whl in scoring right now which is great yeah he's still like 40 plus points back of connor bedard but you know the, as is everybody else. <laughs> I, I think that when we've seen a lot of Tampa recently, and I know this is like the pie in the sky comparison, but Braden Point was always thrown around with Matt Savoy. And that was kind of the comp that a lot of people made. And if he can turn into, I don't want to say half the player, but if he can turn into 75% of the player that Braden Point is, the Sabres are going to be ecstatic. So for me, 
my guess is they bring them to camp, they let them play preseason games, they see what they think, and then they'll make a determination and either they're going to send him back to junior, let them play the year, and then have them come up right when they're done, or just keep him on the team. I mean, if he looks good, you might just yeah. have to keep him on the team. He's 19, so it's not like – but he'd be – I'm trying to – he'd be 19 – until January of next year. So he turned 19 two months ago. So he's still right. pretty young. So like you could justify either decision. For uh, sure. He plays bigger than he and than his size too. I mean, for him being a smaller forward, like he is tenacious on the four check. He's not afraid to play a physical game for his size. And then also too, he just can turn the jets on and outskate anybody. So it should be really interesting because then you also look at Kulik on the other side of that, who's more as we've, as everybody's kind of talked about, he's got more of like the NHL ready frame, the NHL ready style of play. So yeah, that's going to be a really interesting storyline heading into camp next year. But I, I do want to go back to your point you made on Casey Middlestat. We had just talked about him on the last episode. And I've, of course he's been somebody who I think all Sabres fans have been talking about a lot throughout this year, just in the fact that he had a, a rougher start to the year. We've been kind of hoping that we would see the version of him from the end of two seasons ago where he really started to turn it on. It seemed like he kind of figured out his skating a little bit. Of course, last year, start of the year comes, you're expecting him to have this huge opportunity. He gets hurt. And then this year comes around and he did not have necessarily the best start, but now it's been a completely different player here through this last stretch over these last few weeks here. And something that Taylor and I talk about a lot is his improved skating and conditioning. It feels like to me with Middlestad, I mean, he obviously has great hands. He's got a great shot. He can make good, he can make difficult passes happen, but his skating is kind of the thing that activates the rest of his game. It kind of sets the course for how he's going to play because he doesn't have the, I don't want to say he doesn't have the hockey sense, but he, he doesn't have, I guess, the traits of like, how somebody like Reinhardt or Ryan O'Reilly, where they're not the best skaters, but they're able to overcome, like can compensate for them not being the fastest skaters due to having elite other skills. Middlestad has other really quality skills, but it just always felt like he wasn't putting it together enough to compensate for the fact that he just seemed like he would be exhausted out there at points and really couldn't keep up at an NHL pace. That has not been the case lately. He has seemed to have a burst that he really hasn't had through the majority of his career. And when he's looking good, it's when he does kind of have that burst. So to your point there that you've made before, Matt, you had said that you feel as though he has played himself into a roster spot next year. Do you, do you feel that to be the case? What if I told you this, somebody told me this the other day, it blew my mind. Okay. Casey Middlestat has 40 points this year. And I know that points are not the only indicator of how successful a hockey player is. You know how many points Sam Reinhardt has this year? He's got like 45, I think, or something like that. 45. Yeah. 45 oh. and two and two more games. So there is your difference in production this year from Casey Middlestat to Sam Reinhardt. So you know, at the current pace, Middlestad is going to finish this year with more than 50 points. And given the way people talk about him, I just don't get it. Like, I think that he is going, he's, he's not your, like you mentioned, he's got a lot of really good intangibles, but nothing besides his vision, his passing and his vision, I'd say are, you know, like really upper echelon near elite in the NHL. I want to see him start shooting more because I think he underestimates even what his shot is capable of. And totally. I feel like that's kind of, you kind of get that. That's like the football analogy is like Josh Allen does crazy shit all the time. And every once in a while, you're going to throw interceptions. Like he makes unbelievable passes all the time. 
And every once in a while, he's going to pass up a shot because he's going to try and make the perfect play. You got to take the good with the bad. I just want to see him trust his shot a little bit more because I do think he could eventually become a guy who scores in the high teens, low 20s, but also be somebody who throws up 30, 40 assists consistently. And I think these are the kinds of players that good teams need to have that round out your middle six. Casey Middlestat will be 24 at the start of next season. So he is still a really young player. He got thrown into the NHL faster than he should have. But he had the leverage out of college that, like, you're going to burn a year of my contract. This is what I'm going to do. But he's still young, and he's still got potential. And with Granado as a head coach, like, I just think that's somebody who could continue to thrive if he's given opportunities. 50 points from a third-line winger is definitely nothing to to slouch at. And I think that also brings up a good point with him, too, that before we were getting a lot of – we would get the flashes, like you're saying, with, like, the passing and everything like that. But – it, it, we weren't getting the production that the trade-off for the mistakes that he was making and that he still makes now. I mean, we just saw, like, what was it the other? He had that blind no-look pass that led to Sonny Milano uh-huh. scoring in the Washington game. He still does that now, but I, I think it's easier to, you know, deal with the the ramifications of that if he's going to be putting up 30 points playing on the wing, which to Granado's credit is another thing that needed to happen, him being moved to the wing from center there. So I, I, I definitely agree with that. So Olofsson, let's talk about him now, because if there's ever been a streaky player on the Sabres, my God, it is Victor Olofsson. And he's somebody that Taylor and I have been saying, even when he was on his hot stretch, you know, and the end of December and into January, we have been both banging the drum to trade him, like strike while the iron's hot. Like this guy's, on pace for, you know, a 30 goal season right now at that point. And, you know, it just seemed like we know who Vic is. And while he has an elite shot, like no getting around it, he is in the top, whatever percentile of shooting ability in the NHL. There's limitations to his game and very, very serious limitations at five on five. So are you pretty much just completely off the Olofsson train? Like we have a year left on the deal now, like move them for what you can in the off season or move them up as part of a bigger deal. Yeah. It's funny because I also thought Olofsson makes the most sense to be somebody who maybe has to sit a couple games after the Greenway trade to try and figure out how you're going to work the lineup. But then I also thought if you sit him now, does it kill his potential value in the off season? Because teams are going to see that and they're going to be like, man, if he's not even good enough to crack this lineup early in March, are we really going to give up an asset or a player for him? I think he still can play in the NHL, and I think he can still have a role on a team as a middle six winger who's just really got to thrive on the power play. The thing that's interesting for the Sabres, though, is they have so many other guys who now can kind of serve that role or you think are going to be able to serve that role. You know, you love Thompson, obviously, on the power play. I think Quinn eventually could kind of step into that role. I think Kulik might have the potential to step into that role. I think Rosine has a chance to potentially step into that. So there's just a lot of guys. So if you can get a decent return for him, then I think Victor Olofsson absolutely is somebody that you should consider moving. I think he's a good player. And if he's back next year, I don't think it's the end of the world. But if you can get a defenseman who's better than like Yoki Haru for him, then I think you make that move. And it also offers you the opportunity, I think, uh, to make the kind of move where I don't know if it's Yoki Haru, Bryson, they're both under contract for next year. Uh, and you're like, hey, you give us your better defenseman for this guy, right? But we'll give you Victor Olofsson. 
that could be a potential move and whatever else they want. Um, but I was also just going to kind of switch gears here and kind of ask about uh, a big thing people talk about for pretty much the entire Granado era, the vibes, um, which everyone knows they're, they're generally good uh, the yeah. past couple of years. Uh, last night on ESPN Plus during the Oilers game, it they showed a uh, in the locker room thing of Peyton Krebs announcing the lineup to the rest yeah. of the team. And it was kind of him like, kind of like screaming and like acting mm-hmm. insane kind of in a funny way, but it got me thinking, is there anyone that you would know of based on, you know, your, your work following the team and all that? Uh, is there anyone or any kind of dynamic in the locker room that would surprise fans or the fans don't know about like someone who's funnier than you would think, or someone who's more of a vocal leader than you would think uh, or anything like that in the, in the locker room? All right, so I can say this, and I don't know if this always kind of portrays, and I think he's kind of stepped into the role. I'm very confident Rasmus Dahlin will be the next captain of the Buffalo Sabres. Whenever Kyle Oposo steps away, I think Rasmus does a lot more inside that room than people know, and I think he's respected a lot more than maybe it is like perceived. I know everybody loves Alex Tuck, and you've got the Western New York connection, and he was a Sabres fan. So before they named Oposo, there were a lot of people who were like, well, what about Tuck? Well, what about Tuck? I think at some point he's probably going to wear a letter on this team, but I think moving forward, it's going. Your leadership group is going to be Darlene as your captain, and then Tuck and Cousins as your assistant captain. That's just my read on it. Eventually, that's only if Oposo and Gergensen's leave, because there's no way they're taking a letter off of either of those guys. They've put in right. so much work. Um, from like a comedic standpoint, I would say that Paterka is a really funny guy even though there's a language barrier, which is kind of cool because it's just funny how he interacts with the other guys. Same thing with Tuck. Like I know Tuck is a jokester. Um, Skinner is hysterical, but it's like very, it's different than like, it's not like slapstick comedy. It's more like little subliminal messaging and hidden stuff. And, And the vibes are real. Like I'll say from somebody who has covered the team, back from 2015 until now, like the vibes in this room, part of that is because this team has had more success than any other team that I've covered. And they, we can, you know, when you have success, usually you're probably in a pretty good mood, but this group is the closest of any of the teams that I've covered by, by a lot. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, that actually did make me think of another thing I was wondering. Uh, So Greenway coming in a very prototypical kind of fourth line, player mm-hmm. uh Gergensen's and Oposo I believe are both free agents this offseason uh does this kind of send a message that he's replacing one of them and one of them at least won't be back I think it's an insurance policy if they don't come back to just know that you don't have to go out there and find somebody else because you'll have somebody internally who can kind of do it so I don't think it's definitely means they're gone. I think that they'll both kind of have the option. Like, I don't think the Sabres are forcing either of them out just because they play such a specific role. Like, I think that's not the reason why the Sabres are a fringe playoff team, or if they miss, it's not going to be the reason why they miss because of Gergensen's Oposo or that fourth line. It's going to be because their defense isn't good enough and maybe they don't get consistent enough scoring from their second line or their third line. So I think those guys will have an invitation to come back if they want it. And who knows, maybe that means you put Greenway on the third line on one of the wings and you keep your fourth line intact moving forward. Interesting. So switching gears to the defense, Matt, 
going into next, uh, one of the, I guess I should say, one of the issues that Taylor and I both had with the Riley Stillman trade uh, was for one, obviously that it wasn't check run. We were both very much banging the drum that we wanted the big move to happen, but it, it's an inconsequential move, bringing in a guy that also has another year left on his contract on a one-way deal going into next season. You have Yoki Haru, Labushkin, Stillman, Bryson, and if you want to even throw Clegg into the mix as well, as guys who we could call it maybe would be in contention for the bottom pair on this team. Are you of the belief that any of those guys should be the five and the six going into next season, or do you think that they should try and completely reconstruct the bottom pair? Like if you were the GM. I think I would be trying to move – Probably Bryson Stillman's a weird one. Cause I just don't know enough about him yet. So I would say Bryson to me is I, if there's somebody else that you, if he could be part of a deal to get you something else, I think your top three should be obviously Darlene Samuelson power. Then I think your bottom pair can be Labushkin and somebody, and then you just need to fill that spot next to power. So if that means Labushkin and Stillman, Labushkin and Clegg, even if it's Labushkin and Bryson, just having the other guy. So I think there's really one and Yoki Haru. Wow, I forgot about Yoki Haru. So maybe your bottom pair is Labushkin and Yoki Haru, and then Clegg is your extra guy or Stillman is your extra guy, and then you've just got to figure out that that spot next to power. And, th- and that would be pretty ideal too because then you can move Yoki Haru up here and there to the second pair if there's an injury or if something happens. He, he could kind of be like a 4B, 5A type player. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, interesting. So by the time people listen to this, the Islanders game will have already have happened, which is obviously huge for playoff, yeah. uh, has huge playoff implications. But generally, looking at the schedule ahead and the, the teams the Sabres are competing with and the position they're in, do you think that they make the playoffs? No, I that's don't. fair. It's fair. I don't. I just I don't trust the goaltending. I think they've got some really hard stretches coming up. I think losing talk because of everything else that was going on kind of got pushed to the side. But that is a really substantial loss. I think if you take their top five players, he's on everybody's list somewhere in that list. And to not have that guy, it's going to hurt them. They can. Yeah. They absolutely can. I just don't think they will. But I hope they prove me wrong because it would be really great to watch playoff hockey again here in Buffalo. For sure. And this is obviously like the, the, the reason that the Islanders are so big is because I kind of feel like that's the team they're competing with. Like I agree. if everything I else agree. goes right, because Pittsburgh schedule and everything, I think Pittsburgh can make the playoffs and then just Washington, Detroit, um, Florida really just don't seem like they want to make the playoffs. And I can't, I'm not going to take Ottawa seriously just yet. They got three goals scored on it by Andres Bjork or three assists set up by Andres Bjork last night. So I can't take them too seriously. I think right now the Islanders and the Penguins are the teams that I would say are most likely to finish in those spots. But I would see, I think the Sabres are the team most likely to finish one spot out of the playoffs. So I do think that they're going to hang around for a while here. And and I mean, if they win tonight, and obviously people will be listening to that after I, I just, I, I don't know the optics of tonight on a back-to-back having to travel another game on ESPN plus. It feels like they always lose in there on ESPN plus. I'm assuming <laughs> I haven't even looked Sorokin. I'm sure is playing for the Islanders tonight. Like 
it's a really, really tough battle. I haven't even looked. Like, have you seen what the odds are, like, on any of the betting websites or anything? I, I haven't even looked. No, I would yeah, imagine. No. I would imagine the Sabers are probably like plus two hundred or something on the money line. I'll check right now. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of a lot of factors working against them, definitely. But I do agree with you. That's it's. They seem to me like the the Penguins, Islanders, and Sabers are the teams that are playing well at the moment and the Sabres just has so happen to have the hardest schedule of the three plus yeah, 140 on DraftKings plus 140 okay yeah. that's better odds than I thought it would be yep interesting I mean hey listen I sometimes feel like you know as somebody who's from here and somebody who admittedly rooted for the Sabres as a kid I was a Sabres fan I feel like sometimes I'm almost like a little bit too down on them because I feel like it's like in my brain to not ever be a ho- <laughs> you're like don't be a homer you got to be like a journalist and you got to cover this team objectively so sometimes maybe I don't give them enough credit that I should just because maybe that's like in the back of my head but I I don't think they're going to make it but I think that they could all right, Matt, we're going to end with a fun question now. And okay. for this fun one, though, we're going to need you to really dig into the deepest journalistic yeah. powers that you have. So have you been seeing any of these uh, <clears throat> the tweets going around where it's like you have to pick one and then the other ones are going to attack you where it's like a thousand rats, like five lions, four gorillas, whatever? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. You have to pick one of these two. One is going to attack and the other is going to defend you. Would you rather have three Jordan Greenways and two Tage Thompsons or 15 Casey Middle stats? Uh, 15 Casey Middle stats. Okay. Okay. Any rationale there? Power and numbers. There we go. All right. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate getting to chat with you, and uh, hopefully we will be able to chat again this summer reminiscing on a nice little Sabres playoff run. Yeah, thanks for having me, and enjoy the rest of the season, guys. Absolutely. Likewise. Thanks, Matt. All right, everybody, and that does it for another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and giving them a follow. And make sure you're also following the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're giving us a follow. And wherever you're listening right now, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, what have you, make sure you're leaving us a nice little review and rating. We would very, very much appreciate it. Make sure you are also checking out both of our lovely sponsors. First of all, DraftKings Sportsbook and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And of course, Thin Man Brewery. Like I said, make sure you're checking out Thin Man on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You could find them. They are posting frequent updates of all of the wonderful things that they have going on, promotional events and what have you. So make sure you're checking it out. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Savers. One, two, three.